How are we doing? There we go. Now we're getting there. We should be excited in this place because we know that, uh, that God inhabits the praises of a people, like we said last week. And, and there was praise for him this morning, and that means that he is here. And, and he has promised us where we're gathered together in his name about his will and purposes that he will be amongst us. And that's good news for all of us this morning, that God is here this morning. And so, Lord, we just thank you for that. And, um, uh, I'm excited everyone's here this morning, excited about this weekend, excited about the time off. Um, it's, you know, obviously it's Memorial Day weekend, and, and so we just want to take this time to, to remind you to uh, take a few minutes, if not longer, to remember uh, on Memorial Day the, the price, the sacrifice that those who have made for our freedoms, for us to be in the greatest country on earth, to have the freedoms that we have, to have the freedoms to be in this place. Um, and so just take the time to remember that, to honor their memory and, and just acknowledge the price that was paid. And for all of those who are in here today who are, who are active duty or reserves or veterans of the armed forces, first off, thank you. Thank you that you'd be willing to make that sacrifice just like those who have went on have before, Lord. And just, I'm, I'm so thankful for what you do and what you have done for us. Uh, and, and we join together with you in honoring fallen brothers and sisters uh, in, in the armed forces. And so thank you from, from this church, from this church body, for all of you who are, who are uh, active duty or veterans. Thank you for what you do. Um, we're Again, I just want to... Uh, introduce myself. I'm Eric Smith. I'm a Connect Group leader here at uh, uh, Connection Church Savannah. Um, I'm excited that you're here this morning. If this is your first time here this morning, I just want to extend a welcome. We are so glad that you are in this place this morning. So glad that you chose to be here this morning. Uh, for those of you who, who are coming regularly or this is your second or third time, you're part of family, and it's just good to see you as it always is with family. It's just nice to be around family, isn't it? Um, and, and especially to just be under the banner of Jesus Christ. And, and so welcome. Uh, I just want to keep in front of you that we are a church that's dedicated to doing everything we can to helping you take the next steps to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Because with Jesus, it really does change everything. It changes everything about who we are. It changes everything about what we do. It changes our desires and our focus. Uh, it changes our perspectives. Uh, and so that's kind of where we're going to be hanging out this morning is, is where we are in our perspective of God and his love for us. And, and um, so I'm excited to get into this this morning. I'm excited for, for what God has for us. I'm excited for opening up his word because every time we open God's word, there is the potential for it to change our life forever. And, and, and that's the power of God's word. That's the, the perfection of God's word. And so I'm excited to just have the chance to just share in God's word this morning and just pray that he just does what he will do in it. And that's just uh, give us a, a better picture, a better understanding of his love for us and who he is. So I'm going to pray for us and we're going to get started. Grace Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for the air that we're breathing. Thank you that you woke us up this morning and you gave us an opportunity to grow in our understanding of who you are. Uh, Lord, today is full of possibility. Today is full of opportunity. Today is full of you. Lord, and we just want to experience that. We want to experience more of you. We want to see more of you. We want to know more of you, Lord. Uh, and we're just praying that, that as we take this time to open up your word, as we take this time to, to dive in and see what the Holy Spirit has for us, Lord, that you will just uh, create in us fertile hearts, Lord. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord. We're just asking for your Holy Spirit to be present in this time, Lord, that, that there will be moments in this uh, next few minutes that you will just be more real to us than you ever have, Lord. And I'm just praying for the hearts that, that are still trying to figure out what that looks like, Lord, that the, the picture of who you are, the clarity of who you are and what you've done for us in Jesus Christ becomes real for them this morning, Lord. That is our prayer. That is our excitement because that means there is transformation. That means there is new life, Lord. And so that's what we're praying. We're praying for hearts to move from a place of, of death to a place of life. We're, we're praying for hearts to come alive again, to be revitalized. Those that know you, Lord, those who maybe have just have been in a little rut or have been just having a hard time or maybe that the world is just kind of pressing in, Lord. I'm just praying for a revitalization, a rekindling of the fire that Jesus has created 
created in our hearts, Lord, so that we might do what you've called us to do, and that's praise you, worship you, and make much of your name in this world, Lord. We love you, and we thank you for Jesus and, and, and what that means for us, Lord. And we're just excited about these next few minutes with you, Lord. And we don't want it to end after this. We want it to continue on to just see you and see you and see you, Lord. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So for, for the sports fans in the room, um, you know, we'll, we'll watch a football game, and we'll see a play, and... And there'll be a call on the field, and you'll be like, that was a horrible call. There's no way that's right. I can tell you right now, he got in there, or he got that first down, or he made that. He made it across the line. And so on first impressions, on our first perspective, we see it, and we're like, there's no way. That ref's an idiot. There's no way he got that call right. But then, thanks to replay now, we have a better access into what's really going on on the field, right? We have cameras positioned all over the place, goal line cameras, cameras from above, cameras from the angles, cameras and helmets, cameras everywhere, cameras, cameras, cameras. And now, thanks to replay, we have the opportunity to have uh, our perspective change just a little bit, right? We're able to see a little more in, and sometimes when that happens, we find out that what we knew was certain a touchdown, he fell short. He didn't quite make it, right? Um, we know good and well that there are some calls that, that sometimes upon further review should have been made that weren't, right? And that just fuels that fire. But we do know that our perspective from that angle is limited, right? We only have a certain perspective. And without our perspective being broadened or, or opened up for us to see, we may not necessarily always see the whole picture, and so that's kind of where, like I said, we're going to be spending some time this morning is trying to understand what that means for us, what our perspective, what we see of God and God's love and understanding who he is for us, what that looks like, and then how sometimes we can wind up settling for just the perspective we have. And God wants more for us than that. God wants us to have a little more of an understanding of who he is. And so I like illustrations, and plus I need this help because I have no idea what I'm talking about except the fact that I know it's there. And so if any of you have ever been on a cruise ship, you know that there are some rooms that are offered on a cruise ship that have a porthole, right? Unfortunately, I had to do this because I've never seen a porthole in a cruise ship. Anytime I've ever been on one, I've thought they were taking us to the dungeon of a ship because we were going down to the bottom where there were no windows, no anything, and it was just going to be a Titanic situation. I'm probably going down if this puppy ever sinks because I'll never make it up the 14 flights of stairs that we just came down to get to this room. But there are some rooms that have a, a porthole in them, and so where... It's about this size. Your average is around 11 to 20 inches. And, and yes, this is probably pretty close to scale because I'm that type of person when it comes to illustrations. But this is the porthole. This is the perspective that we have when we go into this room. We're able to see out and we're able to see the ocean. We're able to see what's going on around as far as seeing that, that when, the dock, when the boat pulls into the dock of these beautiful places that cruise ship goes... We can see, we have at least a perspective of what's happening outside, right? So we're able to kind of go. And, and one of the things that, that happens is the closer we get to that porthole, the, the more we're able to see, right? We're able to kind of open up our perspective just a little bit. And so we're able to kind of get a little closer, get a little closer. And I'm assuming when you go in one, most people kind of get right up next to it and they can kind of see as much as they can possibly see that that porthole will allow. And that's sort of how our relationship with God works itself out is because we have sort of a limited perspective of how we see God. We have our experiences in life and what's happened to us to that point, right? We have what limited knowledge we know of God, especially if we haven't spent any kind of time in his word or any kind of time in Bible studies or anything like that. Maybe what we do know about God is very limited because we just haven't had access or, or maybe sometimes we just don't even get a chance to get into the room or we haven't had that chance to even see where the room is yet because we just haven't even heard of God. There are people who have no idea of what that name is or who that name, what that name really means. There are people out there that don't know the name of Jesus. And so they don't even know there's a porthole to look through, right? And, and so sometimes that's just how it is. And, and we allow our environment, we allow our situations to mold our understanding of God instead of understanding that we are dealing with the God that molds our environment and our situations, right? 
And, and because how else could we? It's hard, right? We have limited access. We have a limited window to see. And so we try to frame God's character with our limited resources. It's what I've experienced. It's what I've known. It's the relationships that I've had around me. It's the people who may have came in God's name and didn't actually look a whole lot like God. It may have been the church that welcomed me in and then sort of just left me floundering around. It may come in a lot of different views, but our experience, our situation, what's going on for a lot of us is what frames what we think of God and how we see God. Because sometimes we're in that situation to where if there is a God, I don't know if he's really a God of love. I don't know if he's really a God who cares about me. I don't even know if he knows I exist. And so we frame it, and we frame our understanding of God. We try to use our finite minds to understand an infinite God, right? We try to use our limited resources to understand him, when the truth is he's beyond our full understanding. He is. He's just beyond it. His love for us is greater than we're even able to receive sometimes. His love is greater for us than what we've experienced in life sometimes. His love for us is greater than the the person who came in his name sometimes and didn't really show you the love that God intended for them to to show you. It's just the way it is. It's natural. It's how we, we operate because what else do we have except for this limited perspective of God? And so we settle. Even for us who maybe have been walking with God for a little while, maybe we're just okay with where we are. Maybe, maybe we got excited and maybe that fire got lit and maybe we were on fire for God and then it just sort of kind of leveled out. It just planed out, right? Just kind of feels like a rut. Just kind of feels like we're, we're kind of just spinning the wheels and we're in the same place. And, you know, and, and so what do you do with that? Because now we're trying to figure out what, what's the perspective I have on God. And so we just settle. Well, at least I can see out the window, right? At least I have a, a picture of God. But the truth is there's so much more out there, right? There's so much more of God to see, but we settle. So let me ask you a question. If you could win an Olympic medal, which one would you prefer, the silver or the bronze? Well, gold's not an option, but thank you for trying. Silver, right? Most people are going to say silver because silver is the second best. It's the closest one to winning. So, of course, that's the natural reaction is that, hey, yeah, I would love to win the silver. But when they did a study on who was the most happy after they won a medal, They found out that it wasn't what they thought. It wasn't the silver who was really the happiest. It was the bronze because the bronze medalists who came in third, they were found just to be happy that they placed it all. They were just okay with just making it. At least I got one, right? So the silver, he's kind of like, well, I didn't win, so now I'm bummed. I had a shot and I missed it, right? And so that's what we do. We have this perspective and we just settle. We're just happy with where we are. At least I get to look out the window, right? At least I'm in the room. For some of us, we don't even know there's a room, right? We're still living. For some of us, let's just be real. We think we should be in the dungeon. We think that's where God wants us. But that's not what he wants for us. That's not the idea. We're just happy. We just settle. We're just okay with our limited perspective. But God wants more for us than that. He wants something deeper for us. There was a band, there may still be a band, I'm I'm sure they are, but um, it's a Christian band named Cutlass. And uh, they're pretty awesome if you ever get a chance to check them out. But they did a song or made a song called Perspectives. And so the, the chorus of this song goes like this. Why can't you see that freedom is sometimes simply another perspective away? Who could you be if your lens was changed for a moment? Would you still be the same? And I love that verse. When I heard it, it just overwhelmed me to just know that sometimes we are so close to God and we're just one perspective change away. That's it. Just one small perspective change away. Because the truth is God doesn't want us to settle for the porthole. He doesn't want us to settle for a 20-inch window into who he is. The truth is, God wants us to understand him in a way where it feels like we're on the veranda deck. And if you're on the veranda deck in a cruise show, let me know because I want to go. I can't pay. You're going to have to help me out, but I will go with you. Because on that veranda deck, you have a balcony, right? 
You're not, you're not hemmed in by this poor hole. You have this balcony where you can get to the edge of the balcony and you can see the entirety of the ocean. And you don't just see it. You can, you can, you can have the heat of the sun just kind of bask over your face. You can feel the breeze just blowing on your face. You can smell the salt water. You can see what, how broad and how vast it is. You'll get to experience sunrises and sunsets. Not that the poor hole doesn't allow that. Not that you don't get those, but you get to experience them in a completely different way because you're seeing the beauty of God happen when the sun rises and when it sets. You're allowing, you're, God's allowing you out on this veranda deck to be able to see as he brings you into port of all of these beautiful destinations and you get to see his creation displayed as you come in to dock in this place. God wants us on the veranda so that we can fully understand who he is and his love for us. He wants us to know who we are in him. He wants, to know his, he wants us to know his intention for us. He wants us to get the, the full experience and not just to be limited by a small window that we're settling for. He wants more for us. And I want more, I want more of him. I want more of that. I want to experience that. I want to see God the way God has for me to see him. So if you will... We're going to take a look at, at some of these opportunities. We want to take that idea and we want to apply it to some of the situations in our lives. We want to take and apply that to some of the opportunities God gives us, some of the things God allows into our life, and maybe that will change our perspective a little bit on them. And maybe if that changes, then our perspective of him begins to change, of who he is, of his love for us, of his attention towards us. So if you'll turn to 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9, we're going to start there. And if you don't have a Bible with you, we're going to put it on the, the screen for you so you can follow along. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9, says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to your goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. We just come off of about four weeks of God assuring us of his love for us. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, in growing measure, if you're allowing these qualities to be increased in your life, if you're participating in what God has for you, and these are growing in your life, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. And so there, there's that, right? There's that chance of us getting in that rut of just, we're forgetful people. You know, when it came to communion, God said, do this in remembrance of me. The sacraments of uh, baptism, they're, they're not only for the person to proclaim what God has done in their life, but also to remind those that are witnessing the baptism of God's goodness and his graces in Jesus Christ for those who have experienced it, right? That's what the sacraments are designed to do, to remind us of who God is, to remind us of his love for us, to keep him in the perspective that he desires for us. So what does that look like in our life? If, if these things, if these things that are, that are adding to us our faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness, and godliness, mutual affection, and mutual affection, love, then what does this look like in our life? What are the opportunities God's given us to grow in our understanding of him? And if we get that right, what would it do to our perspective? Would it change it? 
What would our relationships look like if we really understood, if we, if we really operated in the right relationship with God, if we spent time in prayer, if we got intentional about our time with him, if we got intentional about getting somewhere and just getting quiet and not just word vomiting over God, not just giving him a task, a list of demands that we need for us to be satisfied in him, but really just pouring our heart out for him, pouring our heart out to know him more and just to hear him and then hushing so he can talk. Right, because that's always the biggest problem I have with prayer. I don't know if y'all realize it or not. I'm a talker. Spend some time with me. I promise you'll figure it out pretty quick. Where do I remember to just listen to what God has, to just hear him, to just grow in his relationship that, that he's called me into by just shutting up every once in a while, Eric, and just spending my time on my face with God? What would my relationship with him look like? What would my perspective and my understanding of him, what would happen to that? And then what would happen to my relationships that are around me? How would my relationship with my wife change if I just got down on my face and prayed and then every so often, or not every so often, every night I called her in and I went, let's just pray. I'm only a man. Let's go to the one who can do all. Let's just pray. And we just spent time in prayer of God, in prayer for, with God, and we just talked with God together, and we just prayed for one another, and we just spent time with him. And even if it was quiet, even if we just said, let's just get on our face and let's just listen to see what God has for us, what would that do? How would that change? What if we got more intentional about spending time in our groups, right? What if, you know, the summer's coming, it gets hard, it gets difficult, things get in the way, life's already difficult enough, but then vacations and things like that, it's really easy to kind of get caught up in this trap of, I miss a couple of days or a couple of times with our group because we're on vacations or things like that, and it just sort of falls off, and, and going back doesn't become as important. What would our relationships look like if we were intentional because we knew how much it mattered because God is doing something in that? The reason why we're so intentional about groups here is because that's where transformation happens. That's where the real life stuff is happening. That's where we're going deeper. Ask anybody in here who's intentional and active and involved and engaged in their group and see if they don't tell you the same thing. It's changed my life. It's changed my life because I'm doing life with people. We're going through things. We're seeing things happen. We're seeing life, the lives of others change and it's exciting and it's good. We've seen one of our Two of our guys get married. We have another one who's engaged, and it's exciting. We have guys who are coming in that are new to the faith, and it's exciting in our group. And yes, we're the best connect group out there. It's on 7 o'clock on Wednesdays. Feel free to stop by if you're a guy. Plugless. That was a shameless plug, wasn't it? Uh, hey, I'm not too. I'm not above that. But I'm telling you. That's why we're so intentional about that. That's why we're so intentional about discipleship and not just settling for converts. How many churches, how many of God's people have started just settling for converts instead of disciples? Let's just get them saved and then we're good. Let's just get them in the room with a poor hole and let's just see what happens. They'll be okay. But there's no discipleship. There's no intentionality. Let's walk with them because this thing doesn't look like what it sounds like. It's a little harder than it seems. Because we know the storms are going to come, and we'll get to those in just a minute. But we know it, right? They're going to come. So let's, let's get real intentional. Let's sacrifice some time, and let's spend some time with brothers and sisters, and let's just pour in. And at that same time of, of helping them to grow in their understanding of God, we will grow as well. That's why we're doing what we're doing is because all of this stuff, what if we got in the right perspective of what it's doing in our life? What if we got excited about how God was using it to shape us? How would our perspective change? How much closer are we going to get to that veranda deck of our relationship with God? God's got something for us. He's doing something for us in this. It's not just about getting out and glorifying his name. It's because when we glorify his name, we encounter him. We are with him. We are in his presence. We're operating in what God called us to do. And so when we operate in those places, of course, he's going to be there in that. And we're going to experience in him again and again and again. And it might be what we need to push back against that rut, to, get, to push back against that stagnation that happens. Because he's changing our perspective in it. Because we're intentional about it. Not because it just makes me feel better. I just like going and hanging out with a bunch of dudes. I do. 
I love it. I love the guys that are in my group. They're incredible guys, you know. But God's doing something. There's transformation happening in there. If it's not in me, it's in a brother, and I get to witness it, and I'm reminded of how good God is. It doesn't have to be about me. I'm going to go into this thing just hoping God moves for somebody. I don't care. I can promise you. My prayer this morning is he moves for somebody. I don't care because it reminds me of his goodness. It reminds me of his love. It reminds me of his intention. And I celebrate him and I praise his name because he is good. It's okay that it ain't about me this morning. As long as God moves in somebody's heart, amen. Yes and amen. And so serving, how does that look if we're serving, if we're getting out here in our, in our blue and our orange and we're, we're in our bright yellow and we're welcoming people in? It's not just to make sure they park in the right spots. Half of them ain't listening to you anyways. They're going to do their own thing. It doesn't, it's not about that. It's about that smiling face. It's about God's love just being, being reflected as those people come in and see a smiling face. Hey, I'm just glad you're here this morning because truth is I'm glad to be here. I'm glad God is here. What is God doing in us serving? As, as people are in there right now, if you have babies or children, I have one. People are praying over my child. That's good news for me. And I'm praying that through those prayers, through that time that they're spending with God, that God is moving in their hearts as well because they're sacrificing. My kid's a pain sometimes. I mean, he's not always easy to deal with. And, and they're pushing all that aside and loving him well and praying over him and teaching him scripture. And they're just pouring themselves out for him. And I just hope God pours himself out on them because they're making a way. They're making a way for us to be in here and not just worry about what's going on. We can just trust that they are just loving them well. And sometimes they're loving them so good, it's unbelievable. And God just moves in the middle of that. And you never know when a kid just starts asking questions. What's this about? Their perspective begins to change. What is God doing in all of this? In missions, Right? Go into the ends of the earth. God called us to just move out and go to the ends of the earth for the sake of his name, to make disciples. It's the great commission. This is what we're about in this church. We want to be a church that's sending, that's going, that's always focused on sending people out because we believe that church starts when we get done with what's going on in here. This is just where we're celebrating God and we're rejoicing in what God's doing and people are coming in and they're being loved on and they're coming to know Jesus and they're moving from death to life and we celebrate that and we, and we cheer and we get excited and then we start the next step. Let's get them baptized. Let's get them discipled. Let's send them out for the sake of his name because what better proof is there that there is a God who transforms lives than the one who used to know that person who was dead and now sees that person who's alive and goes, I don't know what happened, but you're different we don't want them to just sit in here we want you to go outside of these walls and we want you to assure people that there is a God who loves them because there's enough in the world to push against that idea and that perspective every single day just turn the news on but God's called us into that what a glorious mission God has given us and he's given us everything we need just like Peter said right we have everything we need we don't have to wait. We don't have to hold on. You know what God did in your heart. If you don't have anything else to back it up, the only thing you got is your testimony of your life and how your life is different and how you've started living your life in a way that honors God instead of honors self. Sometimes that's the strongest message that we can give. Trust me, the people that knew me before think I'm a liar if they meet me today. And the people that have known me today think I'm a liar because they knew what I used to be, or they don't believe what I used to be when I tell them. And I'm not, I'm not promoting me. Don't get that the wrong way. I'm just saying that God has the power to change lives to where when people meet you, they're like, what? What? I spent the majority of my life in the captivity and the bondage of drug addiction. And God met me where I was at in the muck and mire and the sin of my life and the devastation that I was causing in the family that's here today. 
and he drug me out of that, and he said, I don't want this for you anymore. I want your perspective to change. I want your life to be a witness to my love. I want your life to be a witness to the redemption that I and only I can do in the life of a man. I want to show, take your life, and I want to restore it, and I want to build it up. But guess what? It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take some intentionality. It's going to take you moving and, and moving for my sake and not your own. It's going to take some humility, which is hard for me. It's going to take you digging in and surrendering everything and not try to hold on to the couple of pieces of your life that you like. You're going to have to give it all. You're going to have to give it all. And if you do that, not only are you going to experience me in a way that, that you never have, and that's going to continue to grow, and new experiences are going to bring new experiences with me. Not only that, but you're going to be reminded of my love constantly in everything you do, every time you serve, every time you dig into my word, every time you get on your face and pray, every time you go on mission trips, every time you, you come into this place and you just pour yourself out, not only does it bring honor to my name, but your perspective of me will be re refer not refurbished, restored. You will see me again anew. You will see my love again anew. You will see me in new ways every time. And, I, and again, I don't tell you that. It's just my perspective. It's the only perspective I have to give you. I can't give you any other perspective than mine. And so I want you to know that no matter what, if anything about my life, if the fact that I'm standing right here doesn't tell you there is a God that can set you free, then I don't know what else will. There is a God that loves you. There's a God that will set anyone free, no matter where they've been, no matter what they've been through, no matter what sin or what thing is holding you back, no matter what ideas convince you that you deserve the dungeon, God wants you to see the veranda. That's what he wants. He wants that for us. He wants us to understand him in a way that we can experience the fullness of who we are, not just bits and pieces through a porthole. He wants our perspective to change. And sometimes that's the greatest thing we have. And then we just apply God's word as we're just witnessing to those around us. And we're just allowing God's work and the Holy Spirit and God's word to do what it does. And it just gets a hold of hearts and it changes everything. Everything. You don't deserve the dungeon. God wants you on the veranda. He wants me on the veranda. And I want it. Because there's so much of him that I don't know. There's so much of him that I don't get right. There's so much of growing and, and shaping and sanctification that I need. But I want it because I know what it means. So what about our worship? How does our worship change our perspective? How does our worship allow God to just inhabit this place? Because we're making much of his name. We're, we're hearing songs that pour themselves out. That song before we came on, that chasm that God bridged for us, that just speaks into a heart, doesn't it? Doesn't that just remind us of who he is and his love for us? Doesn't that just tell us again, I love you? I love you. And where there's distance now, my desire is that we bridge the gap that you come closer and you come closer and you come closer to me. God moves in these things and these opportunities. And this, is, this one's the tough one because, like I said, we know they're coming. What about our storms, right? Because the storms can not only give us a better perspective of God, the storms are also fertile ground for the enemy. So during the Civil War, General Robert E. Lee had a shortage of soldiers. He knew it. His army was going to be devastated by the Union if, he, if it was uh, allowed to be discovered. It was going to be viewed as a weakness. We just have the numbers. We can just go in and charge them, and we'll just outdo them. Let's just go hit it hard and heavy, and let's get this thing over with quick, right? He didn't have the numbers to measure up, and he knew it. So he tried to figure out what he could do, and he loaded troops on trains, and he transported them to different places. And so at every train station, the same Confederate soldiers were unloaded from the trains, and it appeared to everyone that new troops were being transported and added into the rebel army. And so the Union forces became confused and they became afraid because they didn't really know how many people the rebel army had. And so they were a little concerned about their strategies and their tactics because they didn't know if they had enough to handle them. It, it, their perspective was limited. They didn't have an understanding. And it worked. 
it worked because the truth is the Union Army could have wiped them out fast if they would have just charged in, but it gave them enough doubt. Their perspective was clouded enough that it held them off. And so they thought their problem was bigger than it really was. That sound familiar about some storms with the enemy? Satan's always trying to make our problems look bigger than they really are. He's trying to discourage us. He's trying to to warp our perspective. He's trying to to shrink that porthole that we see God through. We've talked about this before, but Mark 4, 39 through 40, and this is when Jesus was in the boat asleep with, with all the apostles, says, he got up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And so, do you think God's desire was for them to see the power of Christ to calm the storms while he was in them? Or do you think it was to have the faith to trust him during the storms that he could, that he actually could do it? That there was no need to worry, there was no need to have fear, there was no need to be afraid of the problem because we knew or they knew who Jesus was and what they had seen to that point had proven out in their lives that he was big enough to even calm the storms with two words, be still. So what if that's a storm? What if that's what God's doing in our life? The truth is sometimes the storms are necessary so that we can know that at all, Right? Without the storm, how would they have known? Without the storm, how would they have seen? This is the one who tells the waves and the winds to be still, and they do. And so sometimes a storm is exactly what we need to change our perspective. Sometimes that storm is what radically changes our life forever. Because we find ourselves in a place where we trust him or we spend every waking moment afraid. And that's not what God's called us into. That's not what the storms were designed for. That's not what he's pulling us into with that. The storms are there so that we can see he has the power to calm them. And then after that, guess what? Do you think the next storm scared them quite as much? Possibly a little. All right, this one may be a little bit rough or possibly a little, but at least that it was there. That perspective was there that, hey, we know the one who can calm them. Let's let's just trust it. Let's just have faith that he's going to calm the storm. Let's just hold on to the one who made us the promise that he could tell the winds and the waves to be still and they will. Romans 8, 21, or 8, 20 and 21, it says, For creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Did you hear that word? In hope. God will allow us to press into futility Maybe not even willingly. He'll allow us to go down that road that he knows good and well is going to lead to a place where the only thing we have is to cry out to him. And that is the hope. That we will reach the end of ourselves. We will reach the end of trying to do everything in our own power. We will quit trying to lean on our own potential, which we know already is limited and and useless in, in terms of where we're going with God. And so when we get to that place and there's nothing else for us to do and we've tried every other option and we've expended all of our energy and we're helpless and we're lost and we don't know what to do, it's in that place that God was hoping for. Because it's in that place that baby will just finally go, I give it all to you, Jesus. I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. I'm tired of trying to, trying to do it in my own power. I'm tired of trying to trust things of this world and realizing that all they do is come up short. They may promise temporary satisfaction, but in the end, the same things are still there. The same hole that only you can fill is still there. There is nothing in this world that it has to offer that can replace you, God. And so I'm on my knees going, I give it to you. Just, I surrender. What a fantastic place to be, to finally quit holding on and just go, I'm done. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. I give it all to you, God. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know what that's going to be like. But the one thing I know is everything else is useless and worthless. And so I just give it all to you. And we have to promise of our salvation in that moment. We have the promise of our, of our surrender as we believe in our hearts finally that he is the one who justifies us. He is the one who makes us right. He is the one who redeems us and restores us. Finally in that moment, we are able to go, yes, God. And everything changes. Our life 
changes. So what about God's word? If we're gonna, if we're gonna understand God's perspective, let's just ask God to tell us. So Jeremiah 29, I'm gonna read the first little bit and then we're gonna start in four and it'll be on the screen for you. It says, this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles, exiles and to the priest, the prophets and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. For all those who are scattered, all those who are spread out, all those who may not even know the name of God, who may not even understand what God is doing, all those who feel lost, who feel rejected, who feel like they've been abandoned, all those that believe they belong in the dungeon of the ship, for all of those that are enslaved and captive, what does God say? God says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. Some of us know exactly what it feels like to be in captivity. Some of us know exactly what it feels like to be in bondage to be far from God. Some of us have walked with God and know what it feels like right now to be scattered amongst the lands, to just not feel God's presence, to just be stagnant, to just, to just be in a place where it just feels like, where are you, God? Where am I? Where are we? Where, what's going on? And what does God promise you? What has God promised us all? What has God promised every single one of us, regardless of where we are with him, regardless of what we're doing, regardless of we're in a place that we've been allowing these prophesiers and diviners to tell us lies, which is what the world is doing. It's promising all these things that you're going to have satisfaction, that you are going to have something that's going to fulfill, something that's going to just complete you, all of that that the world has been promising. And we're in that place where we're seeing this is a lie. This is falling short. This is not. God says, I have plans for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. That when you call on me and come and pray, I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. All we have to do is seek him. All we have to do is go and look for him. All we have to do is just get on our face and quit listening to what this world says. And he has promised that you will be, that he will be found by you. Even if you don't know anything about him this morning, he has promised that if you will just open your heart to him and go, I want to know you, that he will be found. That is good news for us this morning. That is exciting for us this morning. You don't have to take my word. You don't have to listen to anything I'm saying about how your perspective can change. All you have to do is listen to God's word. We've been in this chapter uh, a while, the last four weeks, and I'm just going to read stuff all fast. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. 1 John 4.16 says, and we know, and so we know and rely on the love of God, or the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. 1 John 4, 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. This is in 1 John 4, 10 says, This is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 
Romans 5 8 says that while we were still sinners, God died for us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Romans 5 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame. The hope that God is talking about, it's not designed to put us to shame. That's not what it's for. It's because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Shame, guilt, those are the things God wants to get rid of. Those are the things that God wants to change. That's the perspective he wants to change for us. Not that we are supposed to walk around in condemnation. Not that we're supposed to walk around overwhelmed by what we did. Jesus' blood handled that. It handled that. We are no longer bound to condemnation. We're no longer bound to shame. We don't have to operate in those places anymore. That shouldn't be our perspective anymore. Our perspective should be of the one who saved us, the blood that was shed for our sins. To mean we never had to operate in that anymore. The blood that saved us and changes our perspective forever. It's that love, it's that moment, that freedom that we see in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That allows us into the veranda of our understanding of God. So what are, what's our perspective this morning? Are we settling? Are we just settling for a porthole? And uh, the band can come forward if y'all, if y'all will. What's it look like this morning? What is my perspective of God this morning? How do I look? How do I, how do I, how am I looking at God? How has my perspective been changed? What am I allowing God to do in, in the moments of my life, the opportunities he's given? How is God working every time I serve, every time I go to group, every time I open up his word? Because his word, we just heard his word. It just promised us love, 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 love. I don't have to worry about if God loves me. His word just told me it does. His word goes over and above to show his love for us in Jesus Christ. You don't have to take my perspective. You just listen to God's word. I promise you, that's perfect, and I'm not. But praise God, every opportunity he gives me changes my perspective of him and reminds me of his love for me, reminds me of who I am in him, reminds me of what he's done for me. And so I want more. I want more. A.W. Tozer prayed this, and it's an incredible prayer. It says, Oh God, I have tasted thy goodness, and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need for further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. Oh God, the triune God, I want to want thee. Doesn't that just need to be our prayer sometimes? God, I just want to want you. He's okay with that. That's a great place to be in a prayer. Is there anything to ask better of God? God, help me. I want to want you more. I want more desire for you. I want to be more thirsty. I want to see you more. And, and, and I'll just be honest, it's not there today. So God, help me. I need you to help me want you. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Show me thy glory, I pray thee indeed. Begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Then give me grace to rise and follow thee from this misty lowland where I've been wandering so long. What a beautiful prayer. And it's such a great prayer because out of the biggest thing is just acknowledging that I'm not enough. I don't know. I don't know what the next step is. I don't know where to go from here. But the only thing I do know is I want to want you more. I want to thirst for you more. I want to long for you more. I want to need you more. I want to be in a place where I'm so dependent on you that the joy that comes in that just overflows and it continues to push me into more of who you are. God, I want to feel the sun on my face. I want to I want to feel the breeze. I want to smell the salt water. I want to see the sunrise in its fullness. I want to see the beauty of your creation. I want to just move and I want to go from port to port to port as you call me into that place so that I experience you again. So that my perspective changes, so that everything about me and how I view you completely changes. I just want more, God. 
And I'm trusting you because your word has promised me that you love me and that if I seek you, you will be found. That's the God we serve. That's the God who is calling to us this morning. That's the God that is calling to hearts this very morning. Even if you don't know him, even if you have never taken that step, if you've never made that proclamation of faith, and maybe you've been chasing and listening to all the, the what the world has, maybe you're afraid to come to him because you think your sin is the one set of sins that are too much for God, and I promise you it's not. I promise you it's not. There is no place we can go that God can't find us and, and redeem us from that. That's his glory. That's his glory. There's no darkness we can go into that the light can't overcome. That's his glory. That's the testimony of our faith when we come to know Jesus Christ, that I was a sinner, that I was an enemy of God, that I was dead in my sins, and he met me where I was. He knew everything about me, and he changed my perspective forever. He gave me new life. He gave me new breath. He gave me new desires. He gave me a new excitement. He gave me a satisfaction and a peace and a hope that I didn't know was possible. He loved me right where I was. He loves us right where we are this morning. And he's calling to hearts this morning. And if that's you this morning, if you've never made that, that declaration, that proclamation of faith, if you know that's you this morning, if you know that God has just been calling you and your heart is just being tugged, that this is that moment that God wants you to come in relationship with him. And that can only happen through declaring in faith that Jesus Christ is the son of God and died for our sin and was rose again. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand if that's you this morning. And they're gonna be prayer people here that are excited, that have been praying for, for this moment all morning, they've been praying for this moment all week, and if that's you this morning, if, if today is the day that tr your perspective of God changes forever, and you declare that I am no longer bound by captivity, I'm no longer locked in my sins, I'm no longer overwhelmed with guilt and shame, but I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ, if that's your desire this morning, if you will raise your hand, we are gonna celebrate because that's what heaven does when that moment happens. When a child goes from death to life, when a child comes home, the Bible is clear that the heavens erupt in celebration. So if you've never made that declaration this morning or to this point and you want to, will you just raise your hand? Amen. Let's get a little louder than that. A child just came home. What does heaven sound like right now? What is God doing right now? How excited is God? Amen. That, that's, whew. how does that not give you joy? For the rest of us, if, if we're feeling stagnant, if we're feeling locked in a rut right now, what does that do? God's good. Remember, God loves us, remember? God saved us, remember? God is good. And so God said, if you seek me, you will find me. That's what this altar is for us. It's a place to, to rekindle our fire with him. It's a place to bring those things that are holding us back. It's a place for us to, to be moved from captivity back into the presence of God, to be moved from exile and that distance that we're feeling to meet him again. That's what this place is and that's what this is for us. Why would we run? Because God said if we seek him, he will be found. He promised it. This time is yours. This altar is yours. God loves you. I promise you, God loves you.